Well, hello, 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 good people. This is Christine Jones from Clear Choice Financial Solutions, LLC, and I am bringing you episode nine of our podcast, What's the Score? And remember, we are tackling everything from what's happening to you and with you personally to what's happening with finances, specifically credit. Right. So we're going to continue that. And um, let's talk about this past week. Well, we are still in the middle of a pandemic. Um, quite a few people are not acting as if that is the case, but we are still in the middle of it. And as a matter of fact, you know, a few states have uh, indicated that their numbers have gone up. Now, I don't know whether that is because of increased testing or because of some of the protesting and the lack of social distancing during the protesting um, that has gone on. And, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about that, right? Because um, definitely we need to make our voices heard about what is happening and what is not happening in our country. And Dr. King did say that, you know, the, the person who hasn't found a cause worth dying for is not fit to live. This being said, though, you are really putting that to the test when you are out there protesting um, because you really could be playing with lives. And I put it that way because not just your own, right? And, and just be mindful, though, that protests can take many forms and oftentimes yeah it's it's good to you know be out in the street and it's it's good to you know stop traffic you know every now and then again I, I still don't condone looting that that's just me um, be, because you know, there's just certain levels of behavior that I don't get into but you know I, I can't speak for someone else but that's just me personally um, but I, I often think that a lot of times people don't truly hear you until you hit them where it counts and where it counts for most people in the business world is their money right and so sometimes it's just pulling back from vendors that you may typically use I, I, I'm actually doing that myself I, I caught a vendor making some very disparaging remarks about our former first lady, uh, Michelle Obama. Now, let me say this. You don't have to agree with people about, you know, who they like for president, etc. That, that's not what this is about. But there's a certain level of behavior that I expect from not only adults, but also from business owners. You know, and, and not only did this person post something that was just extremely vile, but some of us challenged this person. And I have to admit, the person has always been quite nice to me. So, you know, I, I like to be balanced in what I say. 
However, the person's response to another African-American woman who said, well, you know, we, we don't have to use your services, it was actually equally vile. And the, the B word that came out um, towards this other African-American lady from this happened to be white male business owner, um, it was just, it was just too much. It was, it was, it was beyond what I could tolerate. The, the sad part is that this person is only part owner of the particular company that I used. Now, I, I have to have a conversation with the other uh, owner, the, the, the co-owner, but at the same time, my, my decision is, is made. I, I can't because I, I see where your level of respect is and, and, and decency. And I'm not really even sure that this person is racist um, because this person makes disparaging remarks against women in general, which then makes me think that he is sexist. Which is not as you know, uh, it's, it's not it's not as as if that is better, right? That is not better. That is pretty much the same, with a different focus, right? You 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 still are denying someone the right to be seen as just a human being, without your level of oppression. Uh, even in speech, you know, oppressive speech, right? So, you know, I, I get it. We, we need to do something, but we need to make sure that businesses um, feel it where they hear it. And, and a lot of times they don't hear it until they don't hear the cha-ching of the, the, the coins going in their accounts, right? But I personally had a COVID-19 test this past week and um, I tell you I, I have not been feeling really well and that could be for multiple things I mean it, well for multiple reasons uh, for multiple reasons it could be just that I'm getting up there right I, I did just turn 50 and I mean that's not ancient but it, it's definitely not as young as I used to be let's say so it could be that but I'm just, it's, there's just some strangeness going on. Um, you know, I was injured on the job uh, due to no fault of my own in January, and I, I spent a good amount of time um, out of work. And as a matter of fact, once I returned to the classroom, I spent really not too long there before it was time for us to leave because of COVID-19. But it could be any number of things, but I went for the testing anyway because of the fact that I'm also a, a caregiver. I'm the sole caregiver for both of my parents. And I, I need to know, right? Because I don't want to shorten their lives if I actually test positive. So I am waiting for those results. But if you haven't had the test, let me tell you what it's like. Um, yes, you do have to stick a long swab. It's, it looks like a Q-tip, a very long Q-tip up your nose. And guess what? You will survive. <laughs> it's not bad at all. I, I think for me, that was the most nerve-wracking part. part. Um, but I went to CVS where they are actually doing um, free testing. How, however, it, you do you know, give your insurance information. If you don't have it, you have to give your um, 
ID because they have to prove that you live in the state where you're receiving the test, and then um, your social security number. It is very safe and um, there is social distancing practiced. You do have to make an appointment um, and it's very easy to do online and answer a questionnaire online and, and um, they give you some pointers right, online. And then when it is your time for your appointment, you go to your CVS location. Now, I'm only speaking for CVS. I'm, you know, there are other locations that, that do it, you know, a different way. But I think the test is actually the same. So I'm getting ready to, to describe that. But if you happen to go to CVS, you drive around to the um, drive-through pharmacy window. You do not get out of your vehicle for any reason. They go over the information that you left online, and that typically takes about 10 minutes or so. And then they hand you a brown paper bag. Now, in that brown paper bag is one baggie that has simply hand wipes. And then there's another baggie that actually has the approximately six inch long swab and a culture tube. Uh, and they give you directions through the little microphone behind the glass and they're telling you, okay, now open the bag and pull out the baggie with the Q-tip or the swab and the culture. I mean, it's, 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 it's actually kind of comical. And they tell you, okay, now open the swab and take it out. And when you take it out, insert it into your, one of your nostrils as far up as it will go. Now, some people will tell you to twirl it around, you know, from side to side a little bit. The person that was administering the, the, the test for me or with me uh, did not tell me that, so I just followed their directions to a T. And you kind of take the swab and stick it up really as far as you can go um, until you kind of stop. And then they tell you, okay, I'm gonna watch you hold it in your nose and it's gonna be about 15 seconds and I'll tell you when to take it out. So they, they count for you and then they tell you when to take it out and then they tell you to put it in the other nostril. And the, the process is the same. They count and then they tell you to take it out. Once you have completed both nostrils, they tell you to open the culture tube and put the cotton end of the swab down into the culture tube. And of course, the swab is longer than the culture tube, so there is a little line of demarcation on the swab. It's a little difficult to see, but you want to find it. Um, I think you can feel around for it because you'll, you'll feel that little um, indentation. And then just break it off and close the other part of the swab in the culture tube. And then you take the hand wipes that they give you and you have to wipe your hands and then you have to wipe down the bag and then you drive just a little bit to the collection box and you have to wipe off the collection box and then insert your uh, culture which is now closed back up in the baggie and you're on your way. It takes about two to four business days to receive your results but if you go through CPS you have to, they'll send you a link via email um, to, you have to register for Minute Clinic My Chart so that they can send you your results. And it's just a waiting game after that.
Um, and so I did that. It really wasn't bad at all. When I tell you, it really wasn't bad at all. Um, a little bit of just funny feeling. I mean, you know, nothing belongs up your nose like that. But it wasn't painful. It didn't make me sneeze. I mean, it, it may cause your eyes to water just a bit, you know. It, it, I think that part is individual, but you will survive. Um, and so, that being said, that, that was what I did. And um, like I said, I'm waiting for my results. Of course, I hope they're negative. Um, but who knows, right? That being said, we're still dealing with everything that's going on in the nation. And, and I touched on it you know, before I talked about the COVID-19 test. Um, but I was listening uh, today and Vice President Pence was asking everyone to wear a mask when they're out. And um, I'm just wondering, what, what, what did they think the medical community was saying all these months? about wearing masks. Did they think that that was just a joke? You know, and I saw someone post something on social media and they, they were saying, you know, immunologists and, and doctors and epidemiologists and all that uh, have all indicated that we should wear masks. And then you have people who hardly pass science class in school saying it's not that important. And they were making a joke. They were like, it's really so hard to know who to believe anymore, right? Because you've got all these people who have done the work um, to be experts in their fields. And they're saying, wear the masks. And then you have someone who's just going on how they feel, putting out information as if it is truth and backed by data, and, and, and that data is backed by studies. You're just going on what you feel. And I even saw where people are making fake badges that get them out of wearing the mask. Now, if you have some kind of health issue where you can't wear the mask, and, and even that is a bit strange because if we're in a pandemic, right, you know, you, you, you got to kind of consider the greater good, but you know, that's not for me to decide. But it, I'll tell you what, if I happen to see you while I'm out, don't get near me. <laughs> Even if you do have on a mask, I don't want you near me. You know, it, it just is what it is because we don't have a cure for this. And you know, even the states that were saying that they're cases were going down. You know, consider what data means. What is what exactly are they studying? Are cases going down because certain areas are not testing as much? I mean, I know the president made a joke about that, but you know, that is actually real, right? Are they not testing as much, making it seem like the numbers are going down? Because you know, data can be skewed. Let's just face it. Um, are tests going down because uh, so many people have already contracted it that um, <laughs> you're just not going to get too many more people? Um, so many people have died, is, is, is that part of it? Um, you know, 
Or is it just that so many areas have been closed for so long that the opportunity for the virus to spread was not there? Because if that is the only thing that is keeping the numbers down, then what do you really think is going to happen when everything opens back up? Right. I mean, that, that's really, to me, a no-brainer. So I always like to understand what kind of studies people have done before they start throwing out these magical numbers uh, to me. You, you've got to give me more than just uh, data. Um, and, and even then, you, you're at the mercy of someone to be truthful about how they acquired their data. Um, but, you know, I, at least I'm glad that someone from the administration is saying to wear masks. Late, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but also today, our president uh, retweeted, I guess, a, a video where the, the, the theme and the statement was white power. <sighs> you know, I struggle with our president, and, I, and I'll tell you why. Because you're, you're typically always going to disagree with someone in politics. That, that's, that's a given. But I try to make it my business to make sure that I remain respectful of the office. And as a teacher, I try to always make sure that when my students have questions, and they do have a lot of questions, I try to make sure that we keep it so that even if I have to disagree with what it, you know, a, a particular politician is doing, and mind you, I'm really not supposed to allow children to know what my political persuasion is. This has been tough, though, because I cannot allow students to think that I actually am for some of what's going on. So it's forcing me to make some decisions about how much I share, right? So honestly, you won't find me saying some of the things that I see floating around, you know, about orange and all this other kind of stuff. That, that's, that's not the way I'm going to go with that. Because there's too many points of fact that can be brought up with this president that I choose to focus on. But I find it very problematic, the amount of division that this one individual has caused throughout the world. I mean, we are a global laughingstock at this point. You know, other nations are actually almost pitying us because of the sad state that we're in. While the president seems to just glory in all of this devastation. What is wrong? What is wrong? 
you don't as a as the leader of a of a country retweet something like white power and before you say but it's the same thing as black lives matter let me straighten that out it is not and let me tell you why black lives matter was simply a response to the fact that black lives have in this country historically not mattered and they have not mattered to the degree that we have been um, not only oppressed but brutalized over this. Now, when you say Black Lives Matter, you're simply saying we matter too. We're reminding those who seem to either have forgotten or who have never really known that black people matter. We're, we're putting that out there, that we matter. And we shouldn't have to say that. That should be a given. But because it hasn't been that way, we're simply saying, yes, we matter. Now, when you say white power, however, that's a totally different context because there is always been white power in this country, always, from the very beginning. Because remember, it was white power that overthrew indigenous governments. And they may not have been the types of governments that you know, we tend to respect, but I tell you what, they were organized, very organized, and I respect what, what, what was going on. They were organized. They were clear leaders. There were, they were, they were clear um, jobs within those organized governments. I still call them governments. They were to me. I'm pretty sure that someone who doesn't value indigenous people either is going to say, well, no, they weren't. You know, I, I'm, I'm not here for that. But it was white power that overthrew indigenous governments and devastated indigenous land and people. And it has been white power ever since. Now, to say white power then, what are you really saying? You, you, you can't argue that you haven't had white power. So what it seems like you're saying is that you may be afraid that you're gonna lose your, your happy pedestal of privilege. And that if everybody has the rights that they were granted by God, then you might lose your place. That's what it sounds like white power is saying. And let me also go further. You know, if we were talking about gangs and somebody retweeted something like that, I would think that that was a code I would think that that was some kind of signal like to all the henchmen, you, you, you know what to do. And based on what I'm seeing in the nation, especially from you know, some of the, 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 the footage um, that has been found, some of the audio that's been found, you know, there, there are some of the people in 
high places who have some very strong opinions against people of color and are willing to, as, as one officer stated, have civil war over it. Hmm. Wanting to slaughter us in the streets. And that is what you are saying when you retweet white power. How is that not against the oath of office? How is that not against the Constitution? How is that something that someone can remain in office over? That is my question. How many people do you have to cause to die via slow response for pandemic and irrational allowance of bigoted behavior? How many people do you have to allow to die before you are classified as a terrorist? I mean, it is what it is. Over 100,000 people have died because you were slow to respond to a pandemic and we really are still talking about a second term? I don't get it. I don't get it. To me, that's negligence. Negligence to the nth degree. You know, as a teacher, if a parent had been slow to respond and a child died, we are mandated reporters. We would have to notify every authority as to what happened, or our jobs would be on the line. How is this not the same thing, just on a greater scale? I, I'm very confused about that. And I'm just praying that we will have the intestinal fortitude to make the right decision at the polls. Now, let me also say this. Please don't think that every time we vote, we're actually voting for someone. Because I'm not always in love with the person that I end up voting for. Typically, what I end up voting is against the greater evil. Unfortunately, you know, I end up seeing all of these, you know, political races as just a battle of evil and less evil. And I end up voting for the one that I believe is less evil. I think you you know what I'm saying on this. So so I will be doing my part at the polls, but you know, they all need work. Let's just be real. They all need work. They all need work. But I certainly don't think, based on what I've seen, that 
the others in the race have proven that they are dangerous. That's not what I've seen. I've not seen them prove that they were dangerous. And that's what I'm looking at. Well, I, I honestly find our current president to be dangerous. Now he's a child of God, and I, you know, I, I, can't, I can't, I can't take that status away from him. He's a child of God, with the opportunity to be saved through the grace of God and the mercy of God, just as I am. But I sure do have a lot of problems with what he does. And I'm just praying that the Lord will work with his heart as he has to work with mine. I'm just praying that the Lord will work with the president's heart so that he either sees the error of his ways and turns from his truly wicked ways or that he's removed from, from power. This has been the most depressing presidential term I have ever seen. And I can only imagine what young people are thinking as they look at adults who would ground them and suspend them and expel them and jail them even for some of the things that are being freely done, openly done. So that, that's where I'm going to leave this. I, I, there's been a lot on my mind, you know. Even, even on social media, you know, there are people who are leaving very racially questionable things in my inbox. And one person was doing it every single night after 11 o'clock p.m., every single night. And I don't mind conversation, but we're not going to do certain things. And when I don't feel that someone is interested in a conversation, I'll block them. It's not that I'm afraid to engage in conversation with them, but if that's not what it seems like you want, there's no need to carry on foolishness. So it's getting real. It's not getting it. It's real out there. The hatred is just at an all-time high. This is like the climax of the most important story ever. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out how this falling action is, is going to lead to some type of resolution. And what will that resolution be? So, yeah, well, if you have any thoughts, you know, please feel free to contact us. Um, if you'd like to be a guest on our podcast, please contact us. Again, I'm Christine Jones, founder and CEO of Clear Choice Financial Solutions, LLC. And you can reach me at 215-901-7651, or you can leave a message at 888-404-5815. Or you can send me an email at crjones at clearchoicefinancialsolutions.com. 
we have a website, clearchoicefinancialsolutions.com. And, um, you know, you can leave us a message there, but, but typically people um, sign up for services there. Okay. Um, but that being said, we will return in a few moments and we're going to talk about financial matters. Uh, we won't be long because the first part of this has been rather long. But we're going to talk about um, financial matters. One thing that we're going to talk about is FACO scores. You heard me, FACO scores. Stay tuned. We're back, and as promised, we're going to talk a bit about financial matters credit to be specific. So I'm going to throw out a term and let's see what you think of this term. FACO score. Not FICO. FACO. Now if you really think about it, you, you can probably gather what it may mean, right? And so in the world of uh, credit and credit building and repair and maintenance, you may understand what a credit score is. And it really is the numerical value that is given to your overall credit history. Okay. And that being said, there are varying models with varying sort of entities that make up those specific scores within the models and there are varying weights of those entities typically you do have FICO which is a model by the Fair Isaac Corporation and you have Vantage scores which is really a joint venture by the three major credit bureaus now what happens is oftentimes and you know and, and it's kind of cute when we're working with someone's credit, they may have gone to Credit Karma, Credit Sesame, somewhere like that, and they come back and they have these scores, and they're like, well, I know my score is here. However, oftentimes, the same people, if they were to go to a major lender, they might be surprised and often not positively. It's not 100% because sometimes the, for example, Vantage score can actually be uh, lower than your FICO score, but oftentimes it's actually higher. And what that means is that when you sit before a lender and you have been checking your Vantage score, you may have a false sense of security because you're thinking that your score is at one level and then they may come back and we've heard these horror stories of people um, having a 100 point difference between what they saw in um, their Vantage score and what their actual FICO score really was. And even when we say that, there again are varying models within FICO and Vantage score, right? So. We're just using general terms right now. Well, what happens is that, uh, you know, as, as people talk and terms come up, 
anything that's not a true FICO score. And typically, you've been able to get your true FICO score by myfico.com. But anything that was not a FICO score from that particular entity was known as a fake O score. And that's not really a positive term, right? I mean, it kind of indicates a little bit of fake, right? And I won't go so far as to say that, you know, the other scores are fake. It's not that they're fake. It's just that they're different models. Um, they, they account for different things and they account for it for them in different ways. So they are true to what their model is. It's just not a model necessarily that may be widely accepted by lenders. So anything that is not a true FICO score is a FACO score. Doesn't matter where you got it from. It is still a FACO score. So if you did not know anything about that, now you do. Well, let's shift gears a little bit and let's talk about how to build some credit, right? Because especially in this era of COVID-19, you know, your, your credit scores may have taken a hit. Maybe you uh, were part of forbearance and didn't really understand what certain lenders were saying when they were offering forbearance. And maybe your credit score took a hit or maybe you just, you know, your job was lost and you just didn't have it to pay. Whatever the reason, you might find yourself in need of building your credit. Well, there are typically five ways to do that. And um, one of the things that I like is that there are various companies that even if you're not um, in credit repair, you can actually look to various entities to kind of steer you in the, the right direction. And NerdWallet is one of those uh, entities that, that, I, that I really like um, because it breaks things down for you. So sometimes what I'll do is I will direct you to something like that so that you can see that, hey, there's information out there. Now, we may understand being in credit repair a little more about what certain things mean, but the information is right there. And so uh, this is actually coming to us from nerdwallet.com, and there are five ways to build credit. So the first way is to get a secured card, right? And when I say the first way, that doesn't mean that, you know, that has any more weight than the other four. It's just the order in which they're given. But a secured card is really one in which you back the limit with your own cash, right? So if you front $200, then your limit is going to be typically $200, right? And what happens is it's considered secured because you are already fronting the money. They don't have to worry about uh, loaning you money and you not being able to pay it back. The money that you have to use is your money. Now, the thing is, you still have to be wise in how you use this card because you still want to keep your uh, utilization below 30%. And you still want to try to pay off your balance before the end of the billing cycle so that you don't accrue interest fees. Right? That's just good practice. All right. And the, what you're hoping to do is get to the point where 
some companies will actually shift your secured card to an unsecured card or maybe you just are finished with that particular one and you actually you know are offered a in an unsecured card by a different company because your credit is now where it needs to be for you to make that happen but whatever the case um, you know just try to make sure that you're getting a card with terms that you can live with okay and so it's a little bit of shopping around but if you are actually working with a credit repair company oftentimes they can steer you in the right direction Number two is a credit builder loan or a secured loan. Now, here's the thing. A credit builder loan is really one in which you are sort of given the loan, but you are paying into the loan to pay it back, and you don't get the funds until after you've paid it back. Right. So it's really, as they say, trying to almost, you know, force you into savings. Right. Because, again, they're fronting you money that you really can't use yet. So just for example, if you had a loan that was two thousand dollars, you might be able to uh, agree to certain terms it might be 12 years 12 years it might be 12 months 24 months whatever it is and you would have set payments each month for however long that term might be and um, you would pay that until you have completely satisfied that two thousand dollar payment once you satisfy that then that $2,000 is unlocked and it becomes yours. Now, the advantage to that is even though you can't necessarily use the money, right, you are still getting credit on your uh, credit report for those timely payments into that loan. So there is value there, right? Now, the secured loan is really an option that some banks and credit unions offer and what happens is the money that's already in your account is what's used as the collateral for um, this particular loan now you may find that the interest rates are a bit higher for this but there's also some value in that okay so think in terms of you know which one may suit you best and always talk with your current banking provider because oftentimes it's easier to fold into programs that they have because you're already a customer number three use a cosigner now if you use a cosigner what that will do is it will allow you access to a line of credit that you would not have qualified for with just your data all right so you would have someone co-sign for you and then their data is um, sort of merged with yours to make a more acceptable credit profile and package in order for you to get this particular line of credit. Oftentimes that's done with mortgages and car loans, you know, etc. 
But the thing is, and this is this is sort of a word of caution for the cosigner, and this is also a call to decency for the person who is in need of the cosigner. The cosigner ultimately really signs that even if the person that they are co-signing for defaults, that they are going to pay off that loan. Now, a co-signer should never have to do that. Let me just say that. If you have asked someone to co-sign for you, and they have done that out of the goodness of their heart, do not abuse their kindness. Pay that loan back. Even if an emergency situation has come up, do what you can to make sure that that person is not left holding the bag. Because that's an awful situation where someone tries to help you and then ends up, you know, suffering because they tried to help. That, that's not a good thing at all. So if you're going to be a co-signer, you're going to want to make sure that you are either A, 100% sure that you can trust the person that you're co-signing for, or you don't co-sign for an amount that's going to bankrupt you, <laughs> okay? Make sure it's something that you can afford to lose, because unfortunately, it is situations like this that often show us who people really are. So be careful with that. Number four, become an authorized user. Now, what happens is if you're an authorized user, and we're talking about like family members, you know, or someone who is very significant in your life, right? Um, we're not talking about where someone is posting that they have a card and, and there's a certain limit and there's a certain history and they're selling that to you. We're not talking about that. That kind of thing can actually be illegal. So we, we, we don't deal with illegal uh, things in, in, in this company, all right? So we're just talking about where a friend or family member uh, allows someone to be an authorized user on their card. Now, what that does is all of the history on that particular card gets added to the person who is the authorized user. However, they're not necessarily responsible for certain things because they're simply the authorized user. They're not the account holder, all right? Um, now, it, it is a good thing, but just make sure that if you are an authorized user and you actually have access to the card, um, you, you want to make sure that you are being responsible. This is another thing where we, we have to say don't abuse the privilege, okay? Um, but oftentimes you don't even have to have access to the card. But if you do, don't, don't abuse the privilege, all right? Um, but make sure that you know if you are an authorized user or you are allowing someone to be an authorized user, make sure you know that you, you know, you've talked about how that card is going to be used if you're going to give them access to the card um, and what the responsibility for repayment for things that they 
may buy on that card um, will be because you don't want to wait until the situation arises to talk about those things. And then finally, you can get credit for the bills that you pay. Um, there are certain rent reporting services. I know uh, my company offers can rent build credit. Um, but there are other reporting services like Rental Karma and Level Credit. And basically what happens is your timely payments are reported to credit bureaus. Now, sometimes they're not reported to all three. Sometimes they're reported to one or two. The uh, rent reporting service that we use actually reports to all three bureaus. Um, but also, you know, there are some times when your utility payments, um, phone bill, things like that, can be added to your credit uh, report. It's called alternative data, but sometimes you can have that added uh, because if you are doing really well with that, then that also gives you uh, a way to build credit. This being said, once again, just to recap, for building your credit, seek a secured card, seek a credit builder loan or a secured loan, use a co-signer, become an authorized user, and get credit for the bills you pay. Again, that came from nerdwallet.com, and basically the five came from them. I embellished a bit because I'm in credit repair, and I know what all of that stuff means and, and know how to fill in the gaps uh, of information. But again, that is often uh, a good company to look at if you have questions uh, about different elements for credit repair. Listen, the world is big enough for all of us, and, and even as a credit repair company, I have no problem saying when another company provides good information. All right? This being said, we are going to say so long for now. Be safe. Definitely be prayerful. And we will meet again here <laughs> at What's the Score next week. God willing. Bye-bye.